Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning. It's a privilege for me to be able to stand here today and just share with you what God's been doing in my life. And I know he's been doing some great things in your life as well. But first, I want to just say there's, a, there's been this rumor going around that while Robert's away on sabbatical that uh, he parked himself somewhere close to a Toyota dealer so he could pick up his Prius first thing in the morning and be on his way. So, but again, that's just a rumor. And uh, uh, you know how rumors are. They're probably not true anyway. But anyway, again, it's a privilege for me to be here. And for a matter of introduction, my name is Jim Moore. Uh, married to a beautiful lady named Brenda of 51 years. And uh, she, gets a, she gets a medal for that one, I can tell you right now. And, you know, it's, uh, she's earned it for sure. But... Uh, I have also have the great privilege of being uh, an elder in, in this church to serve you, and it is a great privilege of mine for sure. So as we get started, let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege that we have of reading and hearing and speaking your word. And Lord, I pray today in this service that your word would have free course that it would hit its mark. And Lord, I bind every spirit, any spirit of confusion or anything that goes along with it. And Lord, I thank you today that you're God and we're your people and that you're on a quest to heal us of our brokenness, of our insecurities, and all the things that cause us so much trouble throughout the course of our lives. Lord, you're the great deliverer the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and our Savior. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This message, uh, Todd Jones did an awesome job on my slides, is a little different. It's uh, the boxing ring, a prayer time analogy. And the reason I picked that title is because I think sometimes that we can find ourselves enclosed and we're in a place that we can't get out of and there's a lot of fighting and warring going on. And it can be for a lot of different reasons. We may have uh, situations that we're dealing with in families, a marriage that's crumbling, uh, an illness, a disappointment. You know, you, you fill in the blank because there, there's plenty. And I pick this because as Robert has been speaking on the subject of brokenness, I was asking the Lord to show me my brokenness. And some of it I had realized was, had become a stronghold. Do you realize that brokenness can be a stronghold at the same time? Something we can't break out of and uh, even act like we don't want to break out of it. That our life is just uh, round the mountain one more time and one more time. But God so encouraged my heart that I want to share that with you today. So again, it's more of a testimony than a teaching today. And I just pray that God would do in your heart what he's done and doing in mine on this subject. The scripture that really spoke to me was first of all, 1 Corinthians 9, 26, where Paul said, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And another translation puts it this way, which I like a little bit better. I run straight for the finish line. That's why I'm like a boxer who does not waste his punches. I don't want to go into my prayer time and play it all again, Sam. I don't want to be a person that goes into my prayer closet or, or, or room or wherever I find myself and uh, can't understand what's going on in my own heart and mind at that particular time. 
And I believe if we're not careful, and rather than careful, I would use the word disciplined. If we're not disciplined, we can find ourselves restricted and confined inside what I call the four ropes of a spiritual boxing ring. Going back to what Paul said, that he boxes not without an aim. He's not beating the air. I don't want to waste my prayer time anymore praying about things that hinder me from praying about things that I should be praying about. And I'll explain that a little bit more. We can too often fight against what I call our opponent's swings of temptation, left-hook lies, and uppercut accusations until we become focused inward on our failures and our inabilities and insecurities to the point that we're really unable to pray about the calling that God has given each and every one of us. Each of you in this room has a calling of God, a specific, unique calling of God. And if I were to pass a microphone around, how many of you could tell me today, don't raise your hand, what your calling is? Or has your calling perhaps become so muddled in the cares of the world, the problems and issues of life, that your calling has kind of taken a back seat a little bit? That your brokenness is more towards the forefront than it is towards the rear and under your feet? See, the Apostle Paul understood God's primary calling on his life quite well. And his calling is the same calling that we have. And it's seen in Mark 16, 15, where Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Our first and primary calling of God is to go forward. Now, that word all means a little bit more about ongoing. It's an ongoing life that we have. That we take Jesus wherever we go. If it's the grocery store, if it's the workplace, marketplace, if it's home raising your children, which is one of the, probably one of the greatest ministries of all. It's important to know what our calling is and to focus on that calling at some point in all of our prayer times. Lord, use me today in what you want to do in my life. Ask him to take that which you have and to multiply it and feed those that are hungry and hurting. Do you know at times we can be so consumed with the fight that perhaps we're not having any answers or any progress. All we're trying to do is keep from being knocked to the mat one more time in discouragement. I've dealt with some of that recently, just real discouragement over situations that I wasn't prepared to handle or I didn't know how to handle, and God began to encourage my heart. And see, one way you can tell or we can tell, rather, if we are uh, fighting, that if our, 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 our prayer time is all consumed with fighting and stress and all of these things, that uh, we can tell if we go into our prayer time with a hopeless feeling, or we're angry, or frustrated, or all, or all the above, then we know that we're fighting and it's not the good fight that we're going to look at shortly. We know that we're fighting that way. The word fight all means to, is defined as a struggle or a bout, as in a boxing match, a bout, or hand-to-hand -hand combat, if you will. I would dare say there's people in here that are in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy over some reason, over some fear discouragement, or something of that nature. And yet we can lose sight of the fact that the reason that we can have a, that we can win over our enemy is the fact that we have the name of Jesus and the power of his word to bring to bear upon the situations that we face in our lives. The name of Jesus, the most powerful phrase in all of creation and the power of his word. We're gonna look at that too in just a few minutes. You see, we don't need to be afraid of the challenges of our enemy because Deuteronomy 24 says this, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you 
to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Goes with you. See there again, the expectation is that we are to be going forward. We're to be moving forward in the calling that God has given us as individuals, as a church, as a community, and guess what? As a nation. We need to be moving forward in the name of Jesus. I'm excited because I know this is a time that God is healing our brokenness. He's bringing us to a place where it's in our face, it's in my face. And I'll tell you, being able to see something clearly that God is showing you is a miracle. And it's a wonderful place to be because you know you're headed towards the light at the end of the tunnel. And that is happening in my life as well. Notice the phrase goes with you though. See, Satan's plan is to keep every believer preoccupied and confined to the limited boundaries inside the four ropes of that boxing ring. His goal is just to beat the daylights out of us every day. You're not good enough. Who said you could do that? You don't have the ability to, to do that. And perhaps you had a parent that told you you're never going to amount to anything. Well, God comes on the scene and makes sure that you realize that's a big, bold lie of the deceiver himself. So I see these four primary ropes, if you will, and this is a, this is a scene that God gives me. He teaches me through pictures. Uh, I never was a great reader, but uh, if somebody gave me a book when I was in school, first thing I'd do is thumb through and look at all the pictures. And God knows that about me. So what he does for me, he, he, he'd give me a picture of something. And when I read that scripture that Paul said, you know, that we, I don't box as one beating the air, that picture that is the background of my slide came into my mind and I found it on the internet. The same picture. So, I want us to look just quickly here at these four causes that I believe we all struggle with that God is determined to deliver us from. And he's using this word to do that. It's fear, false accusation, condemnation, and regret. Has anyone felt any of those four today? You know. Fear causes a spiritual paralysis. And the enemy will use that fear tactic to bind us up and to keep us from walking out our calling in God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't be anxious. The word there is fear. Don't be fearful about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when he answers your prayer, Oh, wait a minute, that's not in there. Yeah, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, we as people have a difficult time having peace until we have answers. But what, what he's saying in this, script, in this verse is this, present your request to God and then the peace of God. You can have peace with the request. That's a God thing. It doesn't make sense to our carnal mind because we've got to have peace now. When it, the, the prayer has been answered or the request has been voiced. But I'm telling you, the good news of that is that we can have the peace of God because it's his work. It's not anything we do. We just bring our needs to the Lord. We lay them at his feet and the battle is his. He takes it over. He takes the stress off of us. And then we can be free to move forward. Secondly is false accusations. They seek to undermine our character or self-esteem and confidence in Christ as well as God's character and his unconditional love. Revelation 12.10 says this, the accuser of the brethren is cast down. He is. He's not going to be, he is. Now sometime later he'll find himself in, in the flames of hell for a thousand years, but he is cast down as far as we're concerned. 
Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Who they overcame? Satan himself. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even to the, in the face of death. The two most powerful weapons, church, in all of creation is the, is the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Don't underestimate the word of your testimony. Never underestimate the power of the blood of Jesus. I would encourage you, think about your testimony when you walk out of this building today. Think about the good things that God has done in your life. Think about everything that is different and better when you gave your heart to Jesus. I have several. I could, I could go for a, quite a while and tell you the things that God has done for me. The miracle of standing here speaking to you, living the first 25 years of my life as a stutterer. I was terrified of public speaking. I'm terrified of public, public speaking right now. Believe it or not. But actually, the, the grace of God is so powerful that it overwhelms the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, doesn't it? So that, that, there's hope for everybody. I had an elementary school teacher that was going to break me a stuttering. You know what she did? She forced me to do book reports in front of the classroom. You know what that did to me? It made me an angry person. It made me hateful. And in 1976, I gave my heart to Christ right after my wife, and I saw such a difference in her. I said, hey, there might be something real here. We might save our marriage after all. And guess what? I got saved after, shortly after her because of the difference in her. And you know what? 51 years later, we're still together by the grace of God and, and him changing my heart is a wonderful thing. Thirdly is condemnation. Seeks to negate God's forgiveness in our lives to convince you and me that we're not good enough. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The word now, right now, Whatever condemnation that any of you have dealt with, even today or in the past, the condemnation, if you brought it to Jesus, if you put it at his feet, laid it at the foot of, the, of his cross, and let his resurrection power take that out of your heart and mind, I'm going to tell you something. You'll be a different person. If we've done that, there is now no condemnation. And you can say it 24-7, now. Now, there's no condemnation. That's a wonderful thing. Fourthly is regret. Seeks to cause us to live under an umbrella of shame. Philippians 3.13, I don't depend on myself to accomplish this, Paul speaking. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart on the future instead. Now, make no mistake, the man that wrote this is the one that had a violent persecution towards Christians, a man named Saul. Until the day of his Damascus meeting with Christ, he was hell-bent to destroy the Christian faith in the church. As a matter of fact, one, one article that I read about that said that, that Saul actually held the cloaks of the men that he ordered to stone Stephen to death. Now, how much do you think the devil would work on a man like Paul for the life of Saul? But see, what he said here was, I have one compelling focus. And saints, we have to have a compelling focus, not to live our lives in re regret and shame, condemnation and fear. We have to change our focus by the grace of God. And that comes in prayer and reading the Word of God because the power is in the Word of God, the infallible Word of God. Nothing better, nothing greater. So how can we overcome these challenges? What's the answer to it? I want to suggest to you James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
So how much time have we wasted trying to resist the devil without first submitting to God that which the devil uses to attack us? Think about it. That which the devil uses to attack us. Perhaps the answer in getting a victory over our enemies simply requires a repentance, a heartfelt repentance that we have either forgotten to do, didn't realize the power in it, or were so consumed with these four issues or others that it didn't come to our mind. Or perhaps we need to ask God to give us a fresh commitment to the calling that is on our life. So how do we submit ourselves to God and be successful in resisting the devil and causing him to flee from us? I'm going to give you a couple of keys. These are suggestions that the Lord has spoken to my heart that I'm working on. Keep the first key is this, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humility. Humility is so important when we find ourselves face to face with our inabilities, insecurities, fears, all of the things that we've talked about thus far, to humble ourselves. Ephesians 4.2 said, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility, it's an awesome thing. Genuine humility before God exemplifies our trust in Him and His ability to empower us to live above the schemes and the will of our enemies. I love that statement. I've read it 20 times. His ability to empower us to live above the threats, the accusations, and the fears the enemy can bring into our lives. And that's an awesome thing to reach that point. Proverbs 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are rich and riches and honor in life. I don't know about you, but I think you're the same way. I want the riches of Christ in my life. I want the honor that comes with being a believer. And I want life itself that I can love my family, my friends, my church, my community and my country. That's really what I want to do. Romans 12, 2 says this, stop initiating the ideals of the opinions and the, of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Can we as believers expect, in this key number two, can we expect to live above our enemies if we continue to practice the ways and the works of the world? I don't think so. And the Lord is impressing upon me that I need to seriously consider what I think, what I believe, and what I speak. And to God give me grace to not continue to practice the ways of the world and the ways of the flesh in my own life. The great news is that through the finished work of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit and His written Word, the anointed Word, we can be free to reject every attempt to, to be entangled by our adversary. We can reject it because of the power of the Word. And see, it's time for, for some of us in this room and those listening online to get out of the box that the devil's had us in. It's time to move forward, to make one final, lay it at the foot of the cross, and then ask God about the prayers that he wants us to be heavily involved in going forward. Prayers for those that are lost. Prayers for our community. Prayers for, for our families, of course. And prayers for our nation and, and the nations that are around the world. And to be able to pray for those that we've partnered with in missions around the world. We have many. It's an awesome responsibility. But I believe now God is, is wanting to take our focus primarily off of ourselves and the situations that have so burdened us for so long 
and to bring us to a place where we as an individual and as a congregation can focus on the next things that God wants us to do as an individual and as a church. He's got some powerful things ahead that we, uh, that we could be excited about. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have remained faithful. Again, the fight is just you and, and your enemy, the master of deception, trading punches day in and day out. It's you and me losing sleep, losing peace and purpose, just beating the air. I'm gonna decree that those days are over in my life. And I would suggest that you do the same. Make a decree that I am tired of trading punches with the enemy, <laughs> that God's got a plan for me. I'm gonna rejoice and move forward in that plan. Fighting the good fight is this, to remain true to God and his word, even in the face of opposition and adversity, to have an unswavering allegiance to the cause of God amid hostilities both internal and external. It also means to have a firm determination, and that's what I'm talking about, a determination to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. These are the platform for genuine and powerful spiritual warfare. 2 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That's a wonderful thing. So how do we fight the good fight of faith? Very quickly, we must know and believe that God's word is true and powerful in those who study his word and apply it to their everyday life. Unfortunately, uh, I read a recent Barna survey that said, speaking of millennials, that 9% read the Bible. 9%. That's the future generation. And the maximum I saw was for believers that are church-going Christians, 23% read the Bible. And yet, the Word of God is the power the word is the weapon that we have against the enemy. Second Corinthians 10, four says, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the, pull, to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapon we have in our prayers is the word of God. And as I'm encouraging myself, I wanna encourage you as well. Start taking more time to get into the word of God. When the enemy starts coming at you with accusations, fears, and uh, uh, condemnation and shame, find the word. What I've been doing along that line, when something like that happens to me, I'll get in the, in the word and I'll find every scripture that has that in it. And I see what God has to say because he's the final authority, isn't he? His word is true, let every man be a liar, right? So that's the exciting thing about the word of God, that in, in that book, between those pages, is the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life, to soften the hardest heart, to take the fear away, and to set a person like me and you totally free from the bondage of the world, the flesh, and the devil. When it's all said and done, and I want to close with this, every believer should be able to proclaim the word that Paul wrote to Timothy. And think about this. Make this your decree over your life today. I have fought the excellent fight. I have finished my course. With all my might, I have kept my heart full of faith. So church, I just pray that this is an encouragement to you because it's been an encouragement to me. God wants to move me on. He wants me to move me up and out. And he wants me to, to move into the calling that he has on my life. And I know what that calling is, and I'll just share it with you. Some time ago, the Lord spoke to me to start writing a weekly devotion. And I write that devotion to my family, to my grandchildren every week. And I pray about it, and I ask God, what do they need to hear? 
What do, do I need to say? What do you want to speak to them? And I've been doing this now for some time. And it's my number one calling in God. And there's other peripheral things that happen, but I see this as the most important thing that I am able to do, is to have an impact, because I have seven grandchildren. A few of them are millennials. I put a lot of the word in it. So God gave me clarity on how to minister to my own family and some dear friends. So anyway, I would encourage you, ask God to really show you something radical. Do something radical for Jesus. Get out of the four corners of the boxing ring. And when you find yourself in there, take the word of God and beat the daylights out of him. Then walk out of there and go on to the next thing that God has for you to do. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for your word that's quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. Able to divide between the soul and the spirit, the head and the heart. And Lord, I pray today that for all of us in this room and those listening online, that it would make a difference. Lord, your word, your word is the power. Your blood is a cleansing stream. And Lord, our testimony is powerful that can bring others to see the light and the good news of Christ. So Lord, I ask your blessing on this day upon this church. Bless our pastor, Robert, Lord. Give him revelation as he comes back to teach us the good things of the Word of God. Bless his family, Lord. And we thank you for the leadership of this church, for those that sacrifice their time in, in music and all the other things that are going on in this church that are wonderful. I pray the blessing of the Lord to rest upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. That was good food. It's like a Robert Russell teaching, but with hair on. Remember that stuff right there. Folks, now we have a wonderful treat for you. Uh, we have a church member who lives very, very far in Kakamega in Kenya. Her name is Ms. Vicky Adundo, and she's not really a church member, but some missionaries are so close to us. And we know so much about them. We love them so much. Last year in November, we played a prayer in this church, uh, a spiritual anointed prayer for the U.S. And most of that was the voice of Vicky Adundo. She runs, she's the mother of the victorious children's home in Kakamega. Ms. Vicky, I don't know where you are. There you are. <laughs> and she's right here to share with us a little bit. Since she was in the U.S. last, what God has been doing at Victoria's Children's Home, where we're very involved with. Now look at us here, two Africans on stage. We're colonizing America. That's, where's your flag? So, uh, Vicky, uh, I saw last night, I don't have to be asking you a bunch of questions. What has God been doing? What are the great things? What, what's, what, are, we, what are you doing? What are we praying for? Um, and what's the next season look like in, in your ministry? Okay. First and foremost, I want to, collect, to correct Louis. I am a church member. I'm the church member of this church. Amen. <laughs> so, let us get that straight first. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Buana asifiwe. Mwami yesomibwe. Only Sheila and um, Sheila and Elaine and uh, uh, Steve would be able to answer that. It is just saying praise the Lord in Swahili, Kiswahili, and then I said praise the Lord in Luhia, my mother tongue. So I speak three languages. I'm so blessed to be here today, and um, I really, really thank the Lord for giving me this opportunity to be here today and uh, to bring you the good news from a far-off country. Not just good news, but the news that you have been a part of the journey of this news. First and foremost, I want to bring you greetings from Victoria's children's home. They love you. They cherish your prayers. They appreciate your support. 
And because of that, so many good things have happened. Many children who didn't have a life have found a meaningful life. In Victoria's children's home, we've had, oh, today we didn't have the thing. Can we have the video? Okay. <laughs> okay, we have a, a video that will be running, and uh, that is part of the good things that are happening, the good things that you are part of. You are part of those good things. Uh, God has been so gracious to us uh, through the time when uh, we've been away from each other. The last time I was here was 2019, and I promised you that I was not going to add any children. I am sorry I broke that promise. I had 140 kids when I was on this stage, when I was giving you the promise. But now I have 150 kids, and I am sorry for breaking the promise. Um, I don't know if I will keep the promise of not getting kids, but uh, God has made that home a refuge for those who don't have a home. Through your prayers, and your support, a little girl like Blessing, who was marked for death because of being born out of incest, found a home when she was 10 days old. She has celebrated her first birthday. And if it were not for Victoria's Children's Home, Blessing would not be here today, should be dead. Because of your prayers and support, a little boy who was abandoned just hours after birth with everything intact, and I mean the umbilical cord still intact, bundled in a cement bag has found a home. We fed him his first formula. He opened the eyes. The first time he opened his eyes, he was in Victoria's children's home. And now he's four months old. That is what your prayers and your support does. That is how much you impact lives far away from here. I want to thank the church for believing in me and believing in the ministry that I am doing and supporting the call of God on my heart to reach out to the hurting world of children with compassion, to give them an opportunity to get an education so that they can compete on the marketplace. To give them an opportunity to know Christ, to have Christ, to cast out the fear that Jim was preaching about and have the freedom, the freedom of knowing that they have a life after this life, to be able to weather the storms that comes with this unstable world. Because of your support and your prayers, we are able to give our children training on work ethics, to teach them how to be all-round citizens, to be responsible, to be reliable, to be useful, we have reached out to the streets where the kids, the, the kids get hooked to glue. They get high on glue. They get high on marijuana and other drugs. These kids have been taken out of the street and they have had an opportunity 
to live a normal life. One of the success stories is about a young man called Collins. He was hooked to glue and marijuana. As we talk right now, five years down the line, Collins is a responsible boy. He knows how to deal with animals. He knows how to work. And now, the Sewing Worldwide School in Nairobi has given him a job. And that is what you and us are doing for those lives. We are saving lives. We are saving those children. We are bringing them to Christ. We've been able to, uh, to, to transit, to do transition for over 10 boys from the streets. Right now, they are living their own life. They are self-sustained. We gave them a trade. Others, we gave them a little enterprise. And now they are living their lives. Three of them have their own families. And that is what God has done through your prayers, through your giving, and through your intercession. That's why today I am standing here to say that God is so good. We've been able to, uh, to, to, to build. We've been building a new building. I spoke about it here with Pastor Robert. And uh, that is the building you are seeing on the screen. It is a new dormitory with a multi-purpose hall. So we have worked so hard to finish the dormitory portion. The rest of the portions are not done, but the dormitory is done so that we can decongest our children. The house we have right now is for 40, it's meant for 40 kids, but we have 150. From next Friday, all the 150 will be home. So we have, uh, we have worked hard to complete that dormitory, and the dormitory is ready. If you saw on the screen, you could see it is ready. It is very beautiful. But we are lacking one thing, the bed and the beddings. So our prayer right now is to get beds and beddings. And when we get beds and beddings, Trust me, by the end of this month, we will be able to put over 80 boys in that dormitory and we'll decongest the current house. Again, I want to say thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your trust in the work that we're doing in Africa. And uh, you are all welcome to come to Kenya. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you so much for being the hands and feet of Jesus. There's a spiritual authority in you that only comes from living the life that you're living. You're an example to us all. We send you back with the blessings of the Lord, with our prayers, and we pray that God will continue to just make your ministry so, so, so fruitful. You're our own Mother Teresa, and we look up to you, and we love you. Thank you so much. And for Steve and Sheila and everybody who, uh, who helps to, to keep your, your hands high. Father, we, we don't want to just say it. We really want to bless Vicky and Victoria's Children's Home and Arcadius and everybody who works there, every life transformed. We praise you for it, and we bless her, and we send her out in Jesus' name with our prayers and our support, Lord. Amen. And yes, you are a member of our church. Folks, please don't give your bed to Vicky. She does not know how to get that to Kenya. Uh, but you can support her financially um, and with prayer, of course. Vicky and her, uh, her folks will be out there um, in, the, in the lobby. And there's some material there that you can grab. There's a form you can fill out. Um, our ministry is supported through serving orphans worldwide. And the great thing is... Every single penny that you give goes directly to her children's home. Nothing goes to administration. That's not how that ministry is set up. So it really all goes there. And they can get those beds and the, and the bedding that they so desperately require urgently by the end of this month. So please go and meet and greet with Vicky out there and pick up a form and become part of her ministry if you're not that already. 
We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him.